Welcome to the Creekwood Church Podcast. Our church exists to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. For that reason, we want to take a moment and let you know about Growth Track. Growth Track is a three-week class designed to help you connect with us, discover who you are, and develop your leadership. Sign up for Growth Track and get more information at creekwoodchurch.com slash growthtrack or on our Creekwood Church app. We hope this message inspires you and helps you discover practical ways to live a life of purpose. Enjoy. I am excited today about sharing. Uh, We are continuing in the series, One Another. And let's say that together, One Another. One Another. It's been a lot of fun looking at the One Anothers in the Bible. Do you know that in the New Testament alone, there's over 50 One Anothers that we are commanded to, are instructed to, that, that we should be people that are about one anothering. In other words, this should be the place that we are the best at one anothering one another. That's hard to say real fast. Try to say that a bunch of times. We ought to be in this environment, the, the, the church that we are, we ought to be the best at one anothering one another. And, you know, one of the things that, and I want to put the, the list of some of the one another's on the screen, and we've been kind of just each week kind of going through some of these and touching on them. And isn't it true that if you just did these, your life would change? If you just apply these to the relationships, to the people that God has put in your life, your life would change. And so I'm excited about sharing today, and we are in again in the fourth weekend. And if you've got your Bibles, go to John chapter 13, John chapter 13, and uh, keep a finger there. And then we're also going to jump over to 2 Timothy chapter 1. I want us to pray before we read God's word and really get into this today. And I want to ask you just to bow your heads, close your eyes. I know, man, getting ready for church can be pretty crazy. I know some of you probably uh, came pretty close to wanting to kill your kids this morning. And you probably walked in this place and kind of rattled and all the craziness of everything that's going on. And I just, I, I want us to pray first and Really ask God to settle your, your heart. Uh, the reason I want to do this also is that I really believe that God has a word for you today. That God wants you to receive this word in your heart. Father, thank you for these next few moments. Thank you, God, that, God, you have commanded us to live a, a, the life that you've called us to live. And, Lord, I pray that, God, all of us would be excited about the future that you have for us. And, Lord, I just... Um, I pray that in these next few moments that, God, we would be receptive to your word. Lord, I pray that, God, you would help me today communicate the word that you have given me. And everyone said, amen. John chapter 13, verse 34, it says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you read your Bible a whole bunch. (laughs) By this will everyone know that you are my disciples if you go to church every single weekend. Now it says, by this will everyone know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is... 
so deep. And again, we could just read that scripture and we could go home. Because there's so much there that it says that just like Jesus Christ has loved us, that we are called to love others. You know, I don't know what you think about when you think about church. And a lot of us have all kinds of different things that pop up in our minds. For some of us, when somebody says church, you automatically think of maybe a hurtful situation. You think of uh, people, you know, again, uh, some of us have good memories. Some of us have bad memories of church. For some people, when you say the word church, they automatically think, well, it's, it's that building at this location, and, it's the, and you think of a certain kind of building, or you think of a certain kind of um, service or, or denomination or whatever, but one of the things that you see that when you start to look at what the church is supposed to be, the best place to go is to look and see What did Jesus intend for the church to be about when you think about the church? And in fact, what you'll find when you read the word, you'll begin to understand that what Jesus Christ intended the church to be, it's always been about a spiritual family. That we are called to be a spiritual family and that when we come together as a spiritual family, And we connect, this is the way that we grow. In fact, the way that we grow, it's when the one another's are manifested, they are transferred in our life. In other words, just like when you experience the love of Jesus Christ, then you go and you begin to show the same level of of love that Jesus Christ has given you and that, that one anothering is what causes the growth to happen in our life. It's a beautiful thing when it, you experience it. And Jesus came along and he started to build this spiritual family that we are, we are we're this family and, and we have this purpose. And you know what was beautiful about Jesus is that he didn't just come to build some building. He came to build his church. And one of the things that I automatically that I love about this, this family that he came to, that he came to invite us to be a part of is that. This invitation to follow him is an invitation to a relationship. That this has always been about a relationship. It's personal. You know, isn't it true that when you have a relationship with somebody, like you, like I'm not talking about, when I say relationship, it's that you really, really know them. You've heard me talk about that you have these level 10 relationships. They're people that like, they have refrigerator rights at your house. You know those kind of people when they come over to your house, they just kind of walk in. How many of y'all got those kind of friends? How many of y'all got kids in your neighborhood that just walk in your house, open the fridge, and they go, what, y'all, y'all got anything to eat? Like, when you're in that kind of relationship, you don't have to clean up the house. Like your house can be all messy and like dirty and whatever. It's a relationship. It's like we're just kind of like just come over. It doesn't matter. There are other people when they come over, you're like, get the cleaning lady over here. We got to blow up the house. Go to like we're going to Haverty's and get new furniture. This is why some of y'all won't have a life group because you're like, 
Man, I, like, I need all new furniture. And again, that's not relationship. And Jesus comes along and he talks about this and he gives us this invitation to be a part of this family that we're supposed to have these relationships. And when, when we're close and when we walk together and the one another starts showing up, it's beautiful. It's this invitation to follow Jesus in this relationship. And, and it's about a relationship with like he says, that the same way that he has loved you, you got to go love people. That's a tall order. That's easier said than done. Isn't it true that there are a lot of people that are hard to love? Like studies say that one out of every three people are people that are really hard to love. So if you look to your left and you look to your right, and they're not the one, it's you. <laughs> but it's a tall order that Jesus gives us that he, we're supposed to love like he loved us. And I'm like, that's cr like crazy. And I look at it, I could keep going down the list of serve one another. And you look at all these things and you're like, okay, God, these they're nice little commands, but like, I don't know about that. I, I want to show you this, this scripture in 2 Timothy as we're kind of looking at this and talking about this because, again, relationships are so important. And, and you have to understand that the one another's, there, there's this transfer that happens when the one another's work right. You know, see, I think that a lot of us have not made this about a relationship with Jesus. We've not made it about relationships with people. And in fact, um, you know, when you ask somebody, are you, a, are you a person of faith? Do you believe in God? And do you go to church? And most people in America, especially in the South, are going to say yes. But you got to be careful when you ask that and because you really need to define what it means because I think that a lot of us in, in, in the, the faith, in, as Christ followers, we've not made it about re relationship. We've made it about a lot of other stuff. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, it says, When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded is in you also. This is Paul speaking to Timothy, and he's telling him, he's telling Timothy, I see something inside of you. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So again, you, you see here, and I wanna, I'm going to touch on that in just a few moments, but I want to go back to the question of what a lot of people make faith about in their, their, their religion or church attendance, whatever you want to call it. There are a lot of people that what they have is they have an abstract faith. An abstract faith is basically is, I believe in God. And I believe that there is a God. 
I don't believe that Jesus is the only way, but I believe that there's a that there are lots of gods, and Jesus, you know, he's one one God, and like you you, you kind of refer to God as the God upstairs, and you're like you're you're religious a little bit, and 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 but it's kind of this abstract faith, and there's no manifestation of a relationship with God. There's also some of us that have a ceremonial faith, and ceremonial faith is basically your faith is built around ceremonies. And especially, uh, depending what church you grew up in, most of us, what happens is that, like, you're, you know, I grew up Baptist or, or Methodist or Pentecostal or Presbyterian, and um, it, it, there's a certain type, and every church has a different kind of ceremony. And I love ceremonies. But what happens, though, is that, that we make this about, again, for some of us, it's an abstract faith. For some of us, it's a ceremonial faith. In other words, this is when you hear people say, man, I just want to have a Christian wedding. I want, like, pastor, we, we really want to have a Christian wedding, and we want Jesus to be there in the sanctuary. We want him to bless this ceremony, but we have no intention of serving God. We have no intention of doing anything with this. We just want him in the sanctuary, in the ceremony. Now, we really don't want him in the reception. Because <laughs> Jesus is invited to the ceremony, but the devil's going to run. The reception. Y'all, like, it's tough being a pastor sometimes at weddings because you're having a good time and everybody's giving you the little evil eye because they want you to get on out of there. Because they want, they want the preacher to get out of there so they can break down. Like, they're hiding the good stuff behind the counter. <laughs> Come on, y'all. Some of y'all act like, I don't know, you don't know what I'm talking about. They're hiding all the, all, all the like crazy, like, man, they're going to break down, dirty dancing, all kinds of stuff as soon as the pastor leaves. Like, it's just slow dancing right now. The preacher gets out of here. We're breaking down. It's going to be a wild party. And we love ceremonies. I love ceremonies. Like, you, you talk about the ceremony of baby dedication. We have so many kids we dedicate, and you guys are busy, like, procreating. Like, we have to turn people down, amen. <laughs> like, we have a list. A lot of times people can't hardly get on the stage. And, and, and people want to dedicate their baby. And it's a beautiful thing. But you know that, that, that dedication is not for that child. It's for you as a parent. But parents want to bring their kids to be dedicated, but they want their child to be dedicated to the Lord, but they have no intention of coming to church with them. They have no intention of reading God's word with their kids. They have no intention of having devotions with their kid. But bless God, we want Junior to be dedicated. It's just a ceremony. Baptism can be the same way. If, if, if you make baptism just a ceremony, you can be a, a dry sinner and go get wet, and you're going to come out a wet sinner. There's no change. And a lot of us, this is what our, our, our faith is, is, is about. It's about a ceremony or it's about some distant God and 
There's another kind of faith, though. There's a transferable kind of faith. And you see this in this scripture that I read to you just a few moments ago where the Apostle Paul, in Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he says to Timothy, he says, I see something in you that was transferred from your grandmother to your mother and your mother transferred it to you. See, an abstract faith can't be transferred. Even a ceremonial, as much as you want to make it about the ceremony and make your kids respect the ceremony, it's not going to really be life-changing. See, the only kind of faith that is transferable is personal. A distant relationship with God, you can't transfer it. Why am I telling you this is that the one another's don't work if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If this is about a ceremonial faith, the one another's are not going to work for you. You're not going to serve people. You're not going to want to love people like Jesus loves you. You're going to love people that like you. You're going to love people that don't cut you off in traffic. You're going to love people that are just like you. But see, the one another's work when you get a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and this, your faith becomes transferable when it's personal. When it's personal, when it's personal, when I've experienced the love of Jesus Christ, and I haven't forgotten about how he set me free from addictions. It's personal. When I've experienced something so powerful as the grace and the mercy of God in my life, and I like want to fall to my knees because it's so personal. You don't have to tell me to go serve somebody. You don't have to give me a t-shirt to go motivate me, manipulate me into serving anybody. Why? Because it's personal. I'm preaching a lot better than y'all are responding. And I'm going to go ahead and amen myself if you're not going to amen me. It's okay. I'm preaching good, and y'all are like looking at me. I know I'm getting excited. and, and Listen, I, I've been carrying this. Because every time I look at these one another's, I'm like, God, this is a tall order. And I look at these one another's and I start thinking about, God, this is the community you dreamed of. And we're supposed to be doing this. And, and, and the one another's are supposed to work. And, and like if I have this abstract faith or this ceremonial faith, they, they're not going to be a part of my life. I think, a, like I mentioned a few moments ago, Charla vacuuming the church. And I remember... Keith, Pastor Keith and Brad, and we were like, I, we can't believe Charlotte's vacuuming the church. It's nuts that, and we found out really who she was, and we were like, it's crazy. She's in here vacuuming. She would come from Fort Worth and vacuum, and I'm like, what was happening in her life that would make her, like, she had a different agenda in her life than other people. It's because it was personal. 
When it's personal, it changes everything. And I just want to remind you of that and, and press you on this is that, listen, when, when it becomes personal and, and it's inside of you, like Paul says to Timothy, he says, it's inside of you. What you got from your mom. And I'm going to just say this to parents here today. Your kids can see right through you. They know if this is for real. And as much as you want to say, well, bless God, we're going to church because we're supposed to just go to church and there's no relationship with Jesus Christ. You're not going to be transferring anything to them. And I'm sorry, listen, it's easy to kind of think, well, I just got to get them to church and that's going to, listen, the person that has the most influence in their life is you. And this is about a relationship and and you having this relationship with Jesus Christ where it becomes personal. See, some of us need to get back to this personal relationship with Jesus Christ and say, one, there was a moment you used to be so on fire and so broken and there was this fire inside of you that said, I love Jesus Christ so much and he has done so much for me. I'll do whatever I gotta do. See, when it's personal, you don't got to tell me to worship. When it's personal, and I've experienced this personal relationship, and God has done something personal, and I've got a story to tell you about what he's done in my life, you don't have to tell me to raise my hands because it's personal. You don't have to tell me to go love somebody when I start thinking about how he has loved me. It just... I'm telling you, it is such a powerful principle in all of our life, and we need to activate that in our life and bring that back in our life to say, this has got to be about a relationship. You know, one of the things that that I love is that this invitation to follow isn't an invitation to perfection. Aren't you glad that this community that God envisioned was never supposed to be about us being perfect? Because none of us will be able to do it. We're all broken. And, you know, it's, it's very easy, again, to kind of lose our way. And you've heard me say this a lot. And I want you to hear me say this again. That God's not called us to be a church that is for church people. God help us if this church ever gets to a place that we are just trying to have church for church people. You know, when you, when you stop just having church for church people, it gets messy. And I love this about Jesus because Jesus welcomed everybody. In fact, he had a bad reputation among the religious leaders that he, they, they in fact said, he, like, he welcomes sinners and he eats with them. And do you know what was so cool about Jesus that people that were actually nothing like Jesus loved, they liked Jesus. I love what Tim Keller says, we are more sinful and flawed ourselves than we ever dared believe, yet at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. You know, I I love this about Jesus, and again, um, 
it's important for us to remind ourselves that this is not about perfection. And I love this, this statement of that, that nobody is perfect. And why, when you, when you think about our imperfections, and we all mess up, we, we all go through seasons of, man, that we're ashamed of what we've done and what's happened in our life. But you know that, that what, what is, is so central to authentic community is when, when you can know that you don't have to be perfect. That's what brings that closeness. That what, that's what brings that relationship, and, 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 and it, it's transferable. When I start to open up about all my struggles, I start to open up about the things that, that I have battled in my life, and I get with other people, and I, the one another start to be transferred. It's, it's like that's where the growth begins to happen. So, you know, when, when you look at this and you start to think about, that we have been called not to be perfect, but we're as Christ followers of Christ. That we have this, this purpose about us that these one another's that are being manifested because we have this personal relationship with Christ. It's important for us to remind ourselves that the one another's are not just for church people. And I know I'm kind of hitting on that a lot uh, this morning, but I... I Again, there's a danger for us to kind of like just say, man, we just want to huddle up. And what happens is if we as a church just think that our whole calling is just to huddle up, and what, what do you see when people are in a huddle? You only see butts. I just had to go there. And we become butts in our, in our, in our world. That's deep. Man, that was deep. <laughs> Do you know that we have this invitation, this incredible invitation to follow him, and it's an invitation to rescue. And part of the one another's, when they're really powerful, when you love somebody like you've been loved and you serve somebody and you care about somebody, and you know what I love about Jesus is that he did, he's not called us just to be people that just believe and behave. He's called us in the messiness of life to say, we are going to rescue people. We're going to be about this. I don't know if you're familiar with AA, but um, it's a great organization, helps a lot, a lot of people, and one of the quotes in the second chapter talks about uh, something so powerful. And, and um, you know, when you go into AA and you see a group of people sitting around in a, in a, in a circle, you're automatically going to go, what in the world do these people have in common? They all look so different. And, and I love this quote. It says, we are people who normally would not mix. But there exists among us a fellowship, a friendliness, and an understanding which is indescribably wonderful. We are like passengers of a great liner the moment after rescue from shipwreck. Let me say that again. We are like passengers of a great liner the moment after rescue from a shipwreck. You know, you think about the moment of like that Titanic moment where, where the ship is sinking and you've just been rescued. You're on that boat, and there's no first class. There's no second class. We're just all grateful for the fact that we've been rescued.
And I feel like I need to say this because what, what happens is, is we're living in a culture that is so fractured. Just, just turn t- the TV on right now. It is, it's become so fractured and it's all like I don't even want to watch the news. And I get a lot of people come to me and say, Pastor Stephen, you know, man, we, we need you to push this, this, this political party, this person or whatever. And Which, by the way, you need to vote. But I'm not up here to tell you who you need to vote for. You need to pray about that. Because listen, Creekwood's not Republican and it's not Democrat. We're here to reach all people. And all people are welcome here. And our heart is not to, to systematically say, well, we just want to kind of rescue all the, 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 the like the Republican. And I got to be careful how I say this. Some of y'all are going to get offended. It's, it's, all, it's about all people that we're supposed to rescue. Now, be careful when I say all people. It, it's, everyone is welcome, but that doesn't mean that everything is approved. There's got to be grace and there's got to be truth, but we've got to like get to this place. We have this personal relationship with Christ, and it's personal for us. It's personal for us, and we know that it's not about perfection. It's about us going out and rescuing people and taking the one another's, all these things that he's done in my life. And this is why everybody in this place is qualified to make a difference in people's lives because Jesus Christ has done something in your life. Let me ask you this question. I know this is really deep, and for some of you, I know it's going to go right over your head because maybe you're, you know, theologically, you don't understand this. But how many of you ever, how many of you have ever eaten at Waffle House? Wow, a lot of people. I told y'all that was a deep question. Um. I was struggling to think about how would I describe the Waffle House to those of you that have never been to the Waffle House. Um, The best way that I know how to explain the Waffle House experience is picture a gas station bathroom that serves breakfast (laughs) 24-7. Am I close? I mean, that's kind of the Waffle House experience. It's a high kind of risk-reward experience. <laughs> but, you know, especially if you go in the south, you go, go to Atlanta, and there's like 132 Waffle Houses. They're everywhere. Just, like, Google it, like, on the map, and you'll see them popping up all over the place. And, um, you know, the Waffle House is not just for rednecks. I, I looked it up, and there's been a lot of <laughs> famous people. Let me show you... Uh, Kanye and Kim actually have been to Waffle House. There's Kanye, really excited, really. He looks like he needs a buttery waffle. Um, Justin Bieber goes to the Waffle House. We got a picture of him right there. Um, that's an old one. He's gotten a lot older. Uh, again, the Waffle House is not for everybody. If you're looking for blueberries and avocado toast, that's not your place. Or if you're looking for clean silverware, it's not your place. You know, it makes me a little nervous about our church that so many of you know about the Waffle House. 
Because you know one of the unofficial slogans of the Waffle House is, it's 2 a.m., you've got plenty of time for one more regret. (laughs) Now y'all don't want to laugh because that hit a nerve. But you know one of the interesting facts about the Waffle House, and I know you're like, where are you going with the Waffle House, Pastor Stephen? But one of the things that I learned about the Waffle House is that actually FEMA has a Waffle House index. And I thought this was really interesting, and and this is what they use to gauge a storm. And uh, they kind of measure how quickly a community might bounce back from a storm. And, And I thought, wow, Waffle House. And so FEMA has this Waffle House index, and just to, like, like let me kind of show you, if it's green, the Waffle House is serving a full menu and, and electricity is on. Yellow, Waffle House is serving limited menu, maybe low on food, supplies, and is likely using an electrical generator. Red, Waffle House is closed. It's time to panic. <laughs> but what's really interesting is that, you know, the Waffle House um, even if there's a level five hurricane, it's very rare that it'll close. Um, it's, it stays open, and, and, it, and it, when everything else is, it, everybody else is being evacuated and all of that. And um, the question that I have is how does a restaurant chain with 2,000 restaurants in 25 states stay open when, when almost everybody else is evacuating? And it's found in, in, in their preparation and in their purpose. Listen to what Pat Warner says this. He's with Waffle House. He says, we have this, the reputation of where of we're going to be open quickly. First responders in a, in a National Guard will reach out to us, and we're very happy to be open for them. But the real reason it goes back to is our customer. As for customers, we're here 24-7, 365 days. So our customers are used to being there, used to us being there, and we want to get open as quickly as possible after a storm. It's a system that we have honored and are constantly tweaking with each passing storm. And they have this system that they actually, when they know a storm is coming, they get these workers from other areas, other Waffle Houses, and they actually send them in advance to that Waffle House so that even if the people that work at the Waffle House can't be there, there's going to be somebody else because they're going to be staying open. It's an unbelievable system that they have to take care of the community that they have. Listen to what Daniel Hand said. He works for the school district in Florida, in Santa Rosa County. Waffle House opening its doors after a storm. Cooking up plates of smothered hash browns and buttery waffles is more than just a symbol of economic recovery. It means the community has hope. It means that the power is most likely on in that particular area. It means that you have a place to eat, which is always good for first responders and locals. It means things might actually be all right. It's like the sunrise after the storm. And I read that and I'm like, man, I was getting teary-eyed. You want to give them a hand because you're like, wow, I didn't know that about Waffle House. Some of you men have been wanting to eat nasty and your wife won't let you go eat over there. And you're like, see, babe, they're godly. (laughs) 
But I want you to hear me when I say this. I believe what Waffle House is to a storm-battered community is exactly what Creekwood should be to a storm-battered human beings after the storm. Why don't we be the ones that radically show some crazy kind of love in this city? Why don't we be the ones that take the one another's, like the one another's that God has done in your life, take them and let them be so personal in your life that we go out into this community and we allow these one another's to, to drive us to rescue people for the kingdom of God. These walls will not be able to contain the people that will walk through this door. When this place is full of the one another's, that we are loving like Christ loved and we are serving like Christ served and we, we, we let these one another's just be poured out on our community. I'm challenging you to take these one another's to another level. There are people in your life there's a son, there's a daughter, there's a neighbor, there's somebody in your life that needs the one another to be real. There's somebody God's going to put in your life that doesn't need a cookie cutter one another. They need some real love. They need some real grace. They need some real hope. I want to pray with you today, and I want to ask you to bow your heads. You know, I want to invite you this morning, if you've never received Christ and you have no relationship with Christ, and maybe it's you're like, you know, that abstract faith, that's me. I want to encourage you right there at your seat, you can receive Christ into your life. Just say, Jesus Christ, would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of all of my sins? The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Father, I thank you for every person here today. I thank you, God, for what you mean to us. I thank you for all of the things that you've done for us. And Lord, I pray that we would not let this move beyond the place that it, this is personal for us. Lord, may it be the driving force. May it be the fire in our soul. May it be the engine behind the one another's that make the one another's come alive. It's because it's personal, because of what you have done in our life. Father, we thank you. God, I pray, Lord, over every family today. Lord, I ask you today, God, would you strengthen every person in this place that God has walked through these doors, God, so discouraged, so broken, God, may they receive today, God, God, such a powerful presence, God, of your love in their life. We thank you for this, and everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening to the Creekwood Church Podcast. If you have been encouraged by the ministry of Creekwood Church and would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at creekwoodchurch.com or on our Creekwood Church app. For directions, service times, and more information about the ministries of Creekwood Church, please visit our website at creekwoodchurch.com.